Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. This is podcast number 80 coming to you live from Post to Post Studio B over in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Uh, the thing, this might sound a little bit different. We have two of the regular mics, but we have a third mic where Justin is. Um, so his mic sound might sound a little bit different. So audio listeners will probably notice this uh, or the biggest difference here, but we think we have it set up where it's going to sound pretty good. So uh, to my left is Jason. You've probably seen him on the channel a long time ago. If you're new to the channel, then he's new to you. And on my very, very left is Justin. You've also seen him on this channel. Um, and the same thing, if you're new, then you probably don't recognize him. But he has his own channel, so you might recognize him. Hands down hockey. So thanks, guys, for joining me. I really appreciate it. The OG crew. Yes. The OG crew, literally. Big going time. back to 2017, uh, post to post. So this is a very busy week in the life of the NHL. We had the awards. We had mm-hmm. the draft on two days, which is ridiculous just to start out, by the way. Uh, so and we had some lots of trades, some ridiculous trades. I'm wearing this jersey for a very specific reason. We'll get into it, um, but it was a pretty intense week. There's almost too much to talk about. There's so much to talk about that I didn't write everything down because it becomes insignificant based on other huge news. Uh, and what I mean by the insignificant stuff is the trades that happen during the draft, like when two teams trade and they just switch, there's like swap draft picks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to talk about that. I don't care about those those little tiny insignificant trades um, because I mean, we don't even know who they drafted. Like, like, yeah, they, they, we don't they, know. They may so. become significant trades down the road, but at this moment we don't know exactly. what those players are going to do. So. It's not worth wasting the breath talking about them. But I do have lots of news here, so I'm just going to go down and um, do this. In, and these are no particular order. I just, just how I, I wrote them down the, on the page here, but I'm going to go down and we'll go through everything and have a little discussion. So the first thing I have is that Ryan Miller re-signed uh, with the Ducks, an extension, um, one year. 1.125 million as a limited no trade clause for a backup goalie with the experience of Ryan Miller. Man, I think that's a steal. Mm-hmm. It's not like Anthony Niemi for 700,000 when you don't really know what you're going to get. I mean, Ryan Miller has argu- arguably played some of his best hockey in his later years of his career. So um, I'm a fan of this signing. I don't know how you guys feel. How do you feel? I like it. Plain and simple. There's no really other way to put it. Uh, I think the cap value is perfect. And I think he's at that age now where year over year is the way to go. Yeah, he's he's, he's getting up there. I think he has that over 35 yeah, it's, uh, considered it's, it's contract. Yeah, it's like Joe Thornton with San Jose. You yeah. want to go year over year, you know, and then him just take his life and his career year by year. That's the way to do it when you get to that age. Exactly. And, I mean, Anaheim did not have the best year. It's... Yeah. There was a, it was really frustrating, really, really frustrating because I think they lost like 18 of 21 games at one point um, at no fault of Ryan Miller or I would say John Gibson, but I think Ducks fans could be pretty happy with this uh, small signing with, with Miller. Um, if we move on, move on to the draft and the news that happened there, first overall was Hughes, went to New Jersey. Uh, were you guys shocked by this? No, I wasn't shocked at all. To be honest, though, Kako was really making a strong case to go first overall. Um, he really showcased himself very nicely. But Hughes, you know, centers just carry so much more value and worth when it comes to the draft. And I think he has all the tools to be a number one franchise center in the NHL. Yeah, I think it, if it wasn't, if New Jersey didn't have a prerequisite for a position that they wanted, I think Kako probably would have went first. I think he's a better player. Uh, maybe and maybe that wouldn't have happened, but they were drafting not only skill wise but positionally. So uh, I think it was almost a given that Hughes was going to go first. Yeah, I think Kako is probably the one you could look at and say he's more NHL ready. Yeah, I agree. I think he could you know 
slot into the Rangers lineup instantly and instantly have success. Yeah, because we got to see him play internationally, even like super recently. Mm. And he, man, he's just oh yeah, very. He's dynamic. at another level than yep. everyone else on the ice. Yeah, incredible. So. Uh, super impressive. Um, excited to see that uh, develop for New Jersey and the the Rangers. Kako went second. Um, I think like the Rangers for a team that was right. re- actually really competitive for a while mm-hmm. in like between like twenty ten and twenty fourteen, uh, maybe twenty up to twenty fifteen. They're like really competitive. Kind of did the rebuild, and now like yep. if you look at the Rangers, they made some pretty smart moves. So. That's the way to do it. And, you know, even outside the Rangers, you look at the Metropolitan as a whole, you look at Philadelphia, what they did, they retooled on their blue line. New Jersey gets first overall pick. Then they get P.K. Subban, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon. The Metropolitan, I don't know if I sound biased. I mean, I am a Penguins fan, but dang, I can't wait to watch the Metropolitan this year. It's going to be tough. And then you have, like, the Atlantic. Florida is going to be such a better team. Like, the East is going to be even better than they were last year, which is a little scary. Same time. Um, the other thing I have from the draft, and by the way, I didn't watch the draft. I didn't forgot to mention that earlier. Uh, we we started watching it. We started. We watched it a little bit, and then we did some other stuff. Just kind of hung out and whatever. And then uh, yesterday, which was Saturday, we were at the lake, so we didn't watch any of any of that whatsoever. So I actually don't have a lot to say. But I've been told, and I read on Twitter that Montreal stole Cole Caulfield at fifteen. I have no opinion. I I don't know about this kid. Apparently, he's like the next Alex DeBrinkett or something like that. And that's that's all that I read from the draft is that Hughes went first, Kaka went second, and Montreal stole Caulfield at 15. That's all I know. Yeah, there's a lot of surprises. There's a lot of teams that I thought could have actually drafted down because a specific player they had their eye on yeah. would have still been available in five or six or seven picks. The biggest shock for me was Bowen Byram not going third overall. To me, he was the best defenseman available in the draft. And then Colorado said, okay, thank you. <laughs> and now their blue line is going to be scary good yeah, in a few years. Chicago wow. took Kirby. Yeah, and Kirby Dodge. Yeah. Um, I, so you watch, obviously, more than us. Some. I, I was fighting for the TV with my one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Who won? <laughs> she did. Yeah. <laughs> um. What did you think of just the process of... Because we watched the beginning when Gary Bettman came up on stage and then he came up by himself first, got booed. And they said, wait, 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 wait. Went and got the Indians and came back and he was kind of like a little skit basically. But uh, I actually like that part. I like that he embraces the hate Mm -hmm. and he has fun with it. Like It wouldn't be as interesting if he didn't. So uh, good on Gary Bettman actually for doing that. But I just think the whole draft in general with the the countdown timer and they're bringing up like 25 people on stage for the picture. Mm -hmm. Like people who really don't have that much to do with with i mean there are scouts and stuff and they are important i'm not saying they're not but like nine-year-old kids i don't yeah like nine-year-old kids like that's cool and everything but like the first one the hughes that got drafted there was a i would say a man he wasn't he was young but he was i would say Mm -hmm. between the ages of 18 and 22 or something he had on a jersey Mm -hmm. the exact same jersey that that hughes was wearing They, they were the same height probably around the same age you couldn't really tell which one was the like, was the draft pick. Like, put him on the end. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's a, he. No offense, he's kind of a nobody because I don't know who he is. Put him on the end. Don't put him holding like his arm around Jack Hughes. Like, I just think it's become such a big show. Put the like if you want to put a player from the team, if you want to put the GM, assistant GM, the coach, and maybe a scout. Like five, there should be like a limit five. You don't need twenty five people in the picture. 
Yeah, if anything, it should be the owner, the GM, and the head coach. I mean, that alone is plenty. I mean, come on, it's a full-on posse. It's where they're all rappers. Yeah, it's... And it takes them forever to get on stage and shake the hands and line up and stuff. It really slows the the process down. It's a huge spectacle now. But, I mean, for fans in attendance, it can be very exciting because, you know, you have a lot of stars there. Like, look at Edmonton when they're making selections and Wayne Gretzky's on the stage. Mm. Come on, it's Gretzky. He's there. He's in attendance. That's big that's huge and the draft is a little bit like the all-star game where it's more about the people who are there mm. in a way not necessarily people who yeah. are watching so yeah big time because going to an all-star game completely different than watching it all yeah because you've been to an all-star yeah. game in montreal yeah, yeah in 2009 and huge difference now you're thinking about going to the draft in montreal next year i'm 100 percent going to 100 percent yeah oh, i'm making it happen snaps. draft 2020 as soon as tickets become available whenever the heck that is how much are tickets do you know do you know i have no no clue Me i mean too. you can look back on previous drafts <laughs> and check ticket prices but i mean it changes based on the nhl city you're in so in montreal uh, ticket price would be drastically different you know especially when you compare the canadian u.s dollar and then yeah Excuse me, you have to think about all the people in the city for this event. Hotel prices are going to go up and availability is going to go up. Where are you going to sleep? That's why I want to book it as quickly as possible. Mm, Yeah, exactly. But I need to wait for tickets to go on sale. I don't even, I'm not even sure they announced what day it's going to happen yet. If, if they did, I completely missed it and haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it is the same day every year. I think last year was June 20th and this year was 21st. It differs. Yeah, so. it differs for sure. I'm not sure what day it will be in Montreal. Yeah. I guess we have so. to wait and see. Yeah, that's all so. I can do. Or else I'd book it now. Yeah, I could. Exactly. Yeah. But would you ever go to a draft? Uh, maybe. Montreal would probably be the only one I'd go to just because it's the closest proximity, Canadian city. Proximity, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's close. And I mean, yeah, every right. time I go up for an NHL game, I'm always running into, you know, NHL media mm-hmm. individuals. Uh, you know, I've bumped into Ron McLean in Montreal before. I've bumped into Doc Emmerich. So, I mean, if you go up for the draft, all these people are going to be in town. You could bump into GMs, head coaches. You never know who you'd see. Can you walking. tell me, can you tell the story about the chocolate bar? Oh, okay. <laughs> Just for the new viewers. <laughs> the chocolate bar. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of people. Not not so much Pierre Maguire, not so much specific individuals, but that particular day I had run into a lot of media personnel. Mm-hmm. First one I ran into was early in the morning was Doc Emmerich. Uh, I bumped into him actually in an elevator at the Marriott downtown. And as soon as the doors opened, he was standing there. And instantly I just lost it like a schoolgirl, you know, like, like oh my God, it's Doc Emery. And instantly he started laughing and said, I was one of the only people to ever recognize him in Montreal. He said, in Montreal, I barely ever get recognized. But That's he said, strange. throughout the US, he said, I'm constantly recognized. So we were on, I think, the 22nd floor, and the whole way down, he and I were just talking. Hmm. And it was absolutely incredible. It, what an amazing person. And then he, he ended up shaking my hand and then he went through the lobby on his way to the Bell Center. Because obviously awesome. they can get in much earlier than the fans, you know, to set up and mm. get ready, take notes, whatever. Now on to Mike Milbury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he was in the lobby and off the lobby, there's a little uh, gift shop there and they sell, you know, like the morning newspapers. You can grab a coffee and all that stuff. Anyway, I'm walking by there and there is Mike Milbury with a coffee, with a newspaper. And... I said, hey, it's Mike Milbury. I'm going up and introducing myself. So I said, hi, my name's so-and-so. Nice to meet you. You know, I, I like your approach, how you know you don't hold back and you just spew what, what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. And he just lowers the newspaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and then just puts it back up. Okay, I guess I ruined this guy's day, you know, speaking with him. So he grabs the newspaper, pays for that, his coffee pays for that, and he picks up a caramel chocolate bar and pays for that. So as he's leaving, 
I'm walking behind him a fair distance and I'm looking, you know, for other media personalities and stuff. And as he's walking, he finishes about three quarters of the chocolate bar. And then he just takes the wrapper like this and throws it in a potted plant (laughs) in the lobby and continues walking out the door. And I'm thinking, what an arrogant, you know, unbelievable. And that right there changed my entire perception of the guy. hundred percent. This is the man who beat someone with a shoe. Yeah. Beat somebody (laughs) with a shoe. And they did that on TSN. They wanted to, you know, make a mockery of him. And they said, Hey, Milbury's here today on TSN. So in honor of him, we're going to show highlights of his career. And then they showed him beating the fan with a shoe and then it cut (laughs) off. And we're done. As a Bruins fan, how do you feel about that? I think it's awesome. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, as silly as it was, it's amazing that we have that clip to look back on and say that a hockey player beat a fan yeah, with a shoe. That's an incredible clip. Or, is, or like Ty Domi when he was spraying you know, the water bottle yeah. of the fan. The fan fell over the glass and Domi started giving him rabbit punches. Yeah. And then in the interview, he's like, oh man, I love seeing the fans get so involved. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that's a hockey highlight. right? Well, there. if you do go to the draft, and I might go myself, I don't know yet, but if you do go to the draft, I hope you have some stories like that of chocolate bars and weird stuff. I hope I have better ones than the better. chocolate bar. Yeah. You know, definitely. but to be honest, there's kind of a movement going on and there's a lot of hockey YouTubers chatting and uh, I think it might turn into a big thing. Oh, a meetup. Yeah. We're all kinds of hockey YouTubers get together at the draft That'd be in pro. Montreal. Uh, awesome. I've been talking to a lot of people and it's looking like the group could be up to 10 or 15 now. Whoa. Wow. That's legit. Yeah. That's a, that is a legit meetup. Yeah, and I think you know you could schedule say four to five hours, um, you know, the day before or something. You could rent a conference room and just have all kinds of discussions, collaborations. It would just be mm. a ton of fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Um, okay, back to the draft. There were some trades that happened before the draft and after the draft and during the draft. One of them was the trade between uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Toronto traded Marlowe, a twenty twenty conditional first round pick, and a twenty twenty seventh round pick. Uh, to Carolina for a 2026 20, round pick. So this was 100% strictly a salary cap dump yep. from Toronto. Uh, I believe we three live streamed the trade or free agency day, maybe mm-hmm. two years ago. And Marlowe got signed, and all of us right. agreed that the contract was too long or something like that. It was either too long or too much. I can't remember what we decided. Probably too high. But we called yeah. it. And, uh, I mean, that's what happened. I mean, he, he had to be bought out. Now he's in Carolina, and I there were rumors that Carolina was going to buy out his contract, and um, he would re-sign with San Jose. That has not happened, to my knowledge, yet. So, I don't know. I feel bad for Marlowe. He's one of my favorite players. But things just weren't working in Toronto. That's the cap situation for you right there. I think Carolina's 100% going to buy him out. I don't see him staying with the Carolina Hurricanes. No, I don't think so either. He, he's a legend in his own right, and I think he's earned that ability to be able to dictate his future, even though you know, technically he can't have full control of what happens. Yeah. But you know, if he speaks up and says, you know, I want to be here, or I want to be traded, I think people would listen and give him that respect that he's earned over such a long career. I agree. Yep. It's 100% strategic cap. And of course, the first round, that's that's just the sweetener. You know, like, hey, you want to dump cap on us and us take Marlowe for you, even though we're probably going to buy him out? Yeah. Throw, throw a sweetener on there for us. Exactly. That's yeah. where the first comes And from. Toronto did not retain any salary, to no. my knowledge. So no, it's a straight didn't. trade. Yeah. Um, there was another buyout. Corey Perry got bought out from Anaheim, which was honestly a, a huge surprise to me. I would not have predicted that whatsoever. I can understand it because mm-hmm. of the situation he's in. He's had some injury problems. Um, Anaheim's been struggling, but man, he's like he is one of the core of that team. That's like Chicago trading Patrick Kane in, in 
four years or four or five years. Like that's a that's a veteran right there. So where do you think Corey Perry is going to go? I have an answer, but I want to hear. Well, to be honest, you know, Corey Perry's a shell of his former self. He's Mm -hmm. not a guy that's going to put up 50 goals anymore. I mean, yeah, he helped Anaheim. You know, they won a cup. He's won Olympic gold. He's won the Rocket. He's done a lot. But now he's no longer that player. He doesn't have that capability. And they, you know, obviously they didn't shed the full cap because of the buyout. But I think it's next year. um, It's going to be over $6 uh, Excuse me. The first year it's over two. I believe then the next one is over six and then the final two years is over two. So they will save, but his contract mm. for the buyout was over 8 million a year, which yeah. is just absolute insanity compared to what you're getting out of the player now. But at the time when the contract was signed, it wasn't that bad of a deal because Perry was at the top 10 every year in scoring. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, whereas now it's just not happening, but he'd be a great mentor for a young team Mm -hmm. a lot of you know young guys would look at him and say hey if he speaks up i'm going to listen this is a guy who's won a stanley cup he's won olympic oh yeah he's done so much in his career um i don't see him signing long term but it really comes down to what he would want to do does he want you know five years six years upwards of seven uh i don't think a team should do that given what he's gone through this year and the injuries what did he play like 34 games this season oh something like that yeah Yeah. unfortunately i would only do at max two years for him i was thinking show us yeah show us that Um, you're okay It'll be similar to like a Bacchus situation, mm. maybe a little bit. I think Florida is the perfect uh, place for him. They have the cap. Uh, he's going from California to Florida, which is sunny to sunny. That It's good for taxes. Um, he's Corey Perry is a pretty gritty player. He plays a very physical game. That's look, why a lot of people hate him. Look at Florida now. They're a, they're a really gritty, hard-hitting team. They had the yeah. most fighting majors last year in the NHL. Um, he, he That's a young team, too. He'll be able to mentor, kind of like Yager did when he went there a little bit. Um, I just think it's a, the perfect fit, and that's my prediction. So we'll see. That'd be interesting. Uh, there was another trade, the big one, the PK Subban mm. trade. So Nashville trades PK Subban to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for Steven Santini, Jeremy Davies, or Davis, whatever. Davies. Uh, 2019 34th overall pick and a 2020 second round pick. That's an interesting trade, and no salary was retained, by the way, and no salary was retained because New Jersey is the only team that would be willing to make the trade um, and take on the full mm-hmm. contract. So, you said that to me this morning, mm-hmm. didn't you? yeah. I mean, I I feel like New Jersey stole this a little bit, considering oh, that I think so. If you look at Nashville, they gave up Shea Weber and PK Subban for what I just read, Steven Santini. Davies, 34th overall pick in the second round pick. And it all has to do with cap. Mm-hmm. Like $9 million for P.K. Subban. Is he worth $9 million? Well, he is a Norris winner. If you're a Norris winner, that ups your stock. But his offensive abilities are incredible. The only thing that bothers me about P.K. is sometimes he gets out of position because he wants to lay that big hit. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I've seen him get burned where he misses, he's out of position, and the first thing is a two-on-one the other way, mm-hmm. and his team gets burned. But... There's more to what he brings than just on the ice. You know, you look at off the ice and the contributions he does and just the overall person he is, his personality, that aura around him. He just spreads so much positivity. Yeah, he does a lot. Uh, the guy's incredible. Come on, 100% he's going to be a media personality oh, when he retires. Yeah. The guy is an yeah. incredible talker and he's very entertaining. You know, like when he did his Don Cherry impression. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that clip or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, he plays the piano. Yeah, yeah, the fake piano. Yeah. 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 He, uh, 
I mean, he's he's a guy that you want on your team. He he does have that bold personality, and he's he's a pretty he's pretty fiery player. Oh, big time! A little inconsistent. Uh, he brings a lot to the team. I don't think he's worth nine million dollars as far as production. But I don't think Nashville really utilized him that well. Like they had Yossi and Forsberg uh, on the back end on the power play. P.K. Sumas sitting on the bench, and he's yeah. a power play specialist. Shows how deep their blue line is. Yeah, Nashville's exactly. one of those teams where Subban could go to and kind of disappear. You look at other teams and Subban would flourish. And I think with the Devils, we're going to see something out of Subban we haven't seen since he probably played with Montreal. Because when he was with Montreal, you know, him and Markov, they were the guys. Yeah, and the blue line. scored like, man, he, I think he had like 20 some yeah, goals. He had year. over 20 goals, yeah. I mean, that's. I don't know how many goals he had this year, like six maybe, something like that. Like, <laughs> but you got to give full credit to Ray Shiro, and I think this all circles back to Taylor Hall and him not wanting to really commit this offseason to a contract extension because he has a year left. Yep. I, he challenged Shiro and said, well, you know what? No, I don't want to get into that right now. Show me that I should resign here. Yep. Like, come on, that's a bold move to say, hey, Taylor Hall, stay here long term. We're going to do what it takes to win. That was a bold move, yeah, and yeah. I didn't see it coming. And I sent out a tweet, too, and I said, I want to see a big trade today. Swear no more an hour, an hour and a half later. The Subban <laughs> deal happened, and I went, oh, my God, this is great. Well, thank you. Yeah. We appreciate that. You're welcome, world. <laughs> it was incredible. So, I, I absolutely lost my uh, – I want to say a different word, but – It was surprising. <laughs> I freaked and out. I, I, I don't have the exact quote. I wish I did. Um, the GM, David Poyle, yep. he even said he didn't win the trade, basically. He said sometimes, like – Sometimes you don't get better when you make a trade. Like he knows that he had to free up that money because we'll get into it later. The cap did not go as high as was projected. Short term, this was a loss long for Nashville. I think yes, long this term. Is, this is, it's basically something he said he needed to do. He knows that sometimes you don't necessarily get better when doing the things you need to do just based on the situation. Yeah, exactly. So you get me, you got Nico Hischer, you've got now Jack Hughes, mm-hmm. you've got uh, PK Subban, you've got mm-hmm. Taylor Hall. I mean, this team has potential. Big time potential. What are they going to do in net? Yeah, that would be probably the one area where I'd like to see them improve more. Sorry, guys. Because they, but. Schneider is Schneider. Schneider. Of recent, <laughs> they traded it's a little bit of this. Uh, uh, they traded traded Kincaid. Yeah. To Columbus, they got Mackenzie Blackwood. I've always liked Kincaid. Well, me I've too. Always, I've always that been a fan of Kincaid. Surprised me a little bit. Yeah. So who like are they going to make a play for a goalie? Or are they just going to try and ride the storm? Not going to be easy. I mean, they've already stated, uh, I believe it was last night, that Sergei Bobrovsky and Panarin are both going to meet with Florida on Monday. Uh, I think it's almost a lock that those two are going there. Like, come on. If anything, I think Panarin could end up with the Rangers just because I believe he'd like to potentially play there. I've heard a lot of rumors there. Um, But I don't know. I see them going as a pair. And I see them signing as a pair. They have the same agent. They're both Russian. Yeah. It makes sense. They're friends. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't they want to play together? Yeah. So, yep. I think. I mean, Florida. Yeah, Florida can land Panarin and Bobrovsky. We got Quinville there coaching now. There's some other moves they're probably going to make over the off season. You better be scared of Florida. Yeah, but with Quinville, there's a connection there too. Panarin and Quinville. They used yes. to be together in Chicago. Exactly. So, I mean, there's just more and more reason all the time that they're going to sign with Florida. I'd be shocked if they didn't. And there's a connection there with Perry. If Perry goes to Florida, uh, Quinville coached Perry in internationally. So, like, he already, Very true. Quinville already knows Perry. So, yeah. I forgot to mention that earlier. But, yeah, also just circle back to the PK deal. Strategic, Nashville's going after Matt Duchesne. Yeah, there was a lot of talk of that, actually, after, yeah. after that trade went down, which makes sense. 
but it's kind of weird in a way because they were part of the three-way trade with Ottawa <laughs> and uh, right like it was Colorado, Ottawa, and Nashville three-way trade. Right. Duchesne went from Colorado to yep. Ottawa, and now he's going to potentially go where Kyle Turris is. Yep. In Nashville. Yeah, Turris has been in an absolute letdown um, yeah. in Nashville so far, unless maybe he really bounces back next year. But Duchesne, hands down, yeah. the best center available via free agency. And I think Nashville's going to pull stops to get him. They want him. Uh, you free up $9 million in cap. You that's can definitely huge. make a play. It's huge. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's the big trade. The other trade, which was not... Well, I guess there was two more trades. This one is a really insignificant trade. Uh, the New Jer- Jersey Devils trade John Quinville to uh, Colorado for John Hayden. That doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> not huge. Just depth trade. Just a, Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other trade was the Tampa Bay and Vancouver trade. This one was I like this one. really interesting. So Tampa Bay trades JT Miller who we both agreed yes. off camera that we like earlier. Uh, yeah, trade to Vancouver so for Merrick Mazinek. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, 2019 third, which is 71st overall, and a 2020 first round pick conditional. I don't know what the condition is on that pick, mm. but I think JT Miller is one of the most underrated players in the NHL, to be honest. Absolutely. But, you know, again, another team has to shed cap. Tampa Bay Lightning, they got a shed cap. Yep. JT Miller is one of those guys. And JT Miller was part of the New York Rangers for a while and uh, kind of was shipped out during that yep. whole Rangers yep. shed. Yep. Went to Tampa, played well, but I mean, he's overshadowed by Stamkos and Kucherov and, and Point. And, yeah. Uh, so I think, man, I think this is a great trade for Vancouver. Yeah. I don't know about that conditional first round I pick. I remember when the Rangers got rid of JT Miller. I said, no, no, no. Yeah. There's other players, yes, but not JT Miller. Come exactly. on. He's I've great. always liked that guy. So in cap news, cap's going up to eighty-one point five million, and I believe you said it's one point five million less than was originally projected when by Batman. By Batman, yeah. Mm-hmm. So teams are. That's why we didn't see a lot of see a lot of trades mm-hmm. Friday night. That's also why we're seeing a little bit of a salary dump going on right now, and we'll probably continue to see a little bit. of Exactly. That. So all the predictions of who might go where, who will sign for what, just got a lot more complicated, mm-hmm. uh, especially for Toronto because they've got a lot going on there. But. Um, yeah, one point five million is a big deal. Yes. in a salary cap, it yes. seems so insignificant, but it's huge. Absolutely huge. One point five million can make or break a potential deal to lure a big time free agent to your team. Mm-hmm. One point five million, can, even five hundred thousand, can make all the difference. One point five million can even add you a nice depth piece on your fourth line. That's having a complete team and needing to sign someone as a backup goalie, and you sign Ryan Miller for one point one two five million. There you go. Like perfect. It's situation. just a little piece that yep. could complete your team. So. It's it is a big deal. I don't think people ever realize it, but yeah, it's important, and I, I can't imagine GMs are too happy about it. Oh uh, no, because eighty three million seemed to be the magic number for weeks and weeks, and yeah. a lot of people just had that set in their minds. Okay, it's going to be eighty three million. It's going to be eighty three million, and then all of a sudden it comes at one point five lower, and you think, oh boy, that changes. Things. Did they give a reason? Mm, no, it's just it's based on the number crunching and the projections. So, mm. I think um, I think I read that some people were saying. They had two. Well, a lot of GMs were saying they had two plans. One was for eighty-three, and one was for eighty-two. Oh, and it, so actually, their low plan was actually higher than it ended up being. Wow, so. interesting. I wonder if Gary Bettman apologized, or if he's just like, "This is how, this is what it is." Well, I mean, it's nothing really to apologize for. It's they have number crunchers that project where they think it will be based on, and and they're trying to affect the player escrow too. I think that's why it didn't right. go up as high. So, um, I mean, it yeah. is what it is. It is what it is. Legit. I just want to touch on the award show really, really quick before we get into the rule changes. 
What's your thoughts on the the award? Did you watch the awards? Mm-mm. I didn't either. Did you? I don't watch it. I actually boycott the NHL awards. The I, whole thing's kind of a farce. I know it's someone who my thing. I know someone who did, and it took them like an hour to to do the first three trophies. Yeah, that's the like, big reason why I don't. Uh, I, I, I like voting, uh, like giving opinions on who I think is going to win each award. I love the discussion, the debate, but for the actual award show itself, oh man, I find it very hard to sit through. And I honestly haven't watched the NHL awards in probably three years. Yeah. Maybe I, four I, years. I think I'm in the same boat. That's been a I, while. I, I just mean, can't do it. It's just so much of a show. Yes, like, big time. I understand it. And it's great for the players. And it is a pretty cool experience for them to be in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but I just hate like bringing celebrities up on stage and doing these cheesy little intros and stuff. Right. And everything. It's it's just a bit much. The Carey pricing was pretty cool. That little kid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, there are definitely some other moments and stuff there. Like the the little trophies, like or not the little trophies, but when the, the community trophies, when someone a player does something really good for the community, mm-hmm. a lot of times you don't hear those stories. No. So to see the nominations and their stories and what they did for the communities, I think is pretty important. It's a shame that that stuff isn't a little bit more popular throughout the year, but I think the NHL generally does a pretty good job about that stuff. They have the the hockey fights cancer uh, month. I think it's an entire month now. Mm-hmm. Then they have the what they do like a pride mm-hmm. yep. thing. They, yeah, they do. Yeah, like they change like all hockey the logos. Is for everyone, Hockey's yeah. for everyone. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's called. So I think the NHL does a pretty good job with that um, compared to the other professional sports leagues. Interesting that we don't have any officially homosexual um, players in the NHL. I think we talked about this off camera maybe the other day. Like in the NFL, mm-hmm. there's some people who have come out. I th- think in baseball there are too, but there's none in hockey. Really? I thought there was. Really? Yeah. Maybe it was like after the fact. Maybe after after they retired, they came. I'm almost oh, positive maybe. I've heard stories of that. Almost maybe. positive. I don't, Maybe there's no current players that have, but I'm almost positive I've heard of hockey players. I'm, all, I mean, I'm because I think when they when they have that that event going on, I think that's when you hear the stories of well, I was a player and I kept it hidden from my teammates, and like, I've I've definitely heard of of stories I'll like have that. To, I have to look and see, mm. but uh, I I don't think there's any current players that have verbally come out come out. But it's obviously a touchy subject, um, but I mean it's a shame that they can't because there's so much. I mean, it's not it's not like coming out in real life and stuff when you have your you can be private about it and whatever and mm-hmm. don't tell your friends and family. You're a hockey player. The world's going to know. And you're in a locker room with yeah 20 other men who are m- naked all the time in there. So it's I can understand the hesitation. But yeah, um, back to the award show. Yawn. <laughs> all right. Rule changes. Hook me up, brother. There's a lot of them. Hopefully yeah. this doesn't get too boring, but we'll go through them real quick. No, it's important information. Okay, so, so yes. what we'll do is I'll I'll read one, and then we'll just have a little chat about it and say... Um, so the first one is Coach's Challenge. We all, I think we all knew something was going to be tinkered with there. Yep. Um, so right now you can Coach's Challenge an offside or a goaltender interference play or something like that. So they're going to be adding a third um, section to that, which is basically... Um, you can challenge any goal that occurs in the offensive zone that should have resulted in a play stoppage. Mm-hmm. So, for example, things like uh, pucks hitting spectator netting, uh, pucks high stick to a teammate in the offensive zone, um, pucks out of play but are subsequently touched in the offensive zone and they get put back in play, um, hand passes. Um, it will not include things like um, penalty calls. So if you think that, hey, that should have been a trip and if that would have been called, that goal would win, that is not going to be mm. uh, allowed to be challenged. Good. And um, that's basically 
just that. So any, I'm, I'm okay. That's the right decision in my mind. I think that 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 needed to happen with the whole netting thing with the Columbus, Boston game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's in the Columbus yeah. Boston game, and then the whole hand passing with Vegas and and San Jose like that. Yeah. It needed to happen. So. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's a time limit on it. As long as the puck stays in the offensive zone. So it could happen, t- hypothetically, four minutes prior. Th- there's no specific time limit in the in the thing. Like, it says they're going get, to get later on to actually write the rule book. Mm-hmm. And maybe when they do that, there'll be fine print that says you have a certain amount of time. But Well, there's been situations where there's been goals and we don't know about it. And then... Yep. Toronto will call in and then they'll stop like they'll they'll blow the horn in the arena mm-hmm. and they'll stop the play. I'm wondering if they're going to do something like that. Like if they hits net no one sees it but then they do in in the booth. I don't think it's on them. I think it's the coach can challenge that. So basically the teams will have their people looking okay. for stuff and they'll buzz down and say, "Hey, call that challenge." Right. And um so it's no longer based on your um timeout. It's based you have as many as you want, it sounds like. So the first time you do it, you get a penalty, and every time after, you get a double minor. Right, double minor. Yeah, they want to try to also force them to not use them because they have a fear, like everyone has a fear of it's going to drastically slow down the game. Yeah, and that's what I would hate to see. But I would also hate to see you know the ability for them to use it strategically, like oh our guys are a little tired. Okay, call call coach's challenge. Let's let's get a timeout. But. They're not going to do it if there's a minor, double minor attached to it. We see that a little bit already. They've, <laughs> they've, they've strategically used a few coach mm. challenges to get some rests. But, uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Um, it says, too, that the um, Situation Room in Toronto will continue to initiate the reviews in the final minute of the game. So okay. they're, it's going to be on them to do that. Um, then we have um, changes to the referees when they call major and match penalties. Um, whenever they call a major or uh, match penalty, so like, but not for fighting, but say like it's like an egregious hit or a high stick with blood or something that they feel that this player needs to be kicked out of the game or five minute, um, they're allowed to go look and review that now to make sure that they're, they made the right call. They're not allowed to remove the call altogether, but they can say, they can say, hey, that was bad. You're getting a double minor for that or a five minute. Mm-hmm. And then go and look at it and say, okay, it actually wasn't as bad as I thought, but it was still a penalty You're, and, and downgraded to the two minute. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, that I think that's that's really good. It's going to cause a lot of. It's going to cause the game to slow down a lot. But I'm in the position. I'm in the side of the ring where I don't care how long it takes. I want things to be right. One thing about this is they do not have contact with the situation room. This is totally on them. With their looking iPads. at the screens, the little screens on the ice. Yeah, that's fine. It's ridiculous, but it's fine. Whatever. Um, I do understand the opposite side of the argument, though, that mm-hmm. just play the game, like let it, let's go old school, let the refs call it, and it have like everyone's in the same boat. So yeah, you win some, you lose some. Exactly. That that I understand that. Yeah, I like the idea for the majors to be reviewable because that that's a huge thing. You know, as we saw in the playoffs. Yes. Where <laughs> oh, we four saw. goals can be scored, uh, it's big, and you obviously want the right call. Yeah, I get that, but I'm wondering if there's ever a point where just everything should be reviewed by a third party and then just overrule it because then you could speed it up even faster instead of having the refs, you know, skate over to the timekeepers area and stare at a little tablet. Why can't there just be an almighty eye in the sky that can just overturn and overrule based on video review? I mean, heck us at home are seeing replays of the play before the referees are even seeing it. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I think we take like, usually like referees come up the, the ranks, just like players do, you, they know you start right. in a queue and then you go to the AHL or whatever and then the NHL. Let's bring an AHL ref in for every single game 
sticking between the penalty boxes with the timekeeper and stuff, mm -hmm. give him a screen and allow him to be the fifth referee mm -hmm. or the fifth official and allow him to make the final decisions. And if he's, you know, if, if, if there's a lot going on and stuff and he's, he's always watching, but if there's nothing going on. He can watch the game and see it with his own eyes and then look at it. And maybe by the time the referees come over, well, he can help make if it I was to appoint somebody, the almighty eye in the sky, Carrie Frazier. Heck yeah, hundred percent. Man, he does some great uh, like blog posts and yeah, and yeah, where he breaks reviews. stuff down. Yeah. and he brings up points a lot of times. I thought, wow, I never even thought of that. You know, he's just so knowledgeable because he was a referee for so long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He'd be the perfect guy, and he's got a great personality and great hair and great hair, yeah. great hair, great hair. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have a helmet change, and this is not in stone yet. It still says subject to further consultation with the players' association. But mm -hmm. basically, if your helmet comes off now, you either have to a go get it and put it back on. Or B, you have to go back to the bench. Mm. And it says if you're in the middle of making a play, you will have a reasonable amount of time to complete that play, and then you have to do one or the other. I disagree with this rule change, and I think I'm in the minority here, but uh, I think it's, I think it should be subjective. I think that the player should decide. If they lose their helmet and they want to risk getting hurt, then they play without a helmet. If they lose their helmet and they're scared of getting hurt, they go to the bench. Whatever happens is on them. I don't like the the mandatory fact that they have to skate back to the it's bench. Strategic for the NHL. Look at the concussion lawsuit, they're and that's doing, what it's all about. Yeah, they're doing everything to make themselves look better to say, you know, we yeah. care about player safety. But with the speed of the game today, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Although I would like to see Jolfa helmets come back. Those <laughs> things were awesome. Sorry, I just had to throw that. In. No way. You know, I think a Yari Curry wearing that thing. Those <laughs> were the days, Jolfa. Classic. So what do you think of this? The final part of that helmet rule is if you intentionally remove another player's helmet, you get a roughing penalty automatically. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah, I have no disagreements. If there. their strap is done correctly, I agree with that. Fall because, off. man, you're going to rough them up if you want to haul that off. Mm, do you remember the time uh, Marc-Andre Fleury pushed up the back of the helmet of... Was it? I can't remember who was in front of him and he kept pushing it forward yeah. so it was over his eyes. I think eyes. it was Crosby, maybe. I can't remember. But I remember that clip vividly. Or was uh, it Vetchin or... <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, you know, great. Flurry. Yeah. Remember when there was a scuffle and he was reaching in and tickling somebody? Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Do you know if it's true if he yells poke check when he poke checks? I heard that. Yeah, sure. I heard that. I wouldn't be surprised. It would be amazing yeah, if it was true. Yeah, given his personality. <laughs> I love that guy. All right, what's next? Uh, line changes for defensive teams. So basically, if a team dumps the puck in before they hit the red line and the goalie freezes the puck, that team or the defending team can't change lines. And if the defending team knocks their own net off, they also mm -hmm. cannot go for a line change. And in both situations, the offensive team gets to pick which side of the circle they want to take the face off from. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I like the face-off choice. The face -off some choice guys are better on specific yeah. sides. Absolutely. Or you could have different plays done up per side. Uh, mm -hmm. I like that. That's interesting. As long as it doesn't slow down the game. It's not, as long as there's not a huddle of the guys deciding oh. what dot to go on and you're sitting there yeah. waiting for 15 seconds. Like Just yeah. choose. Yeah, just pick one. Um, if a breakaway is happening and a goalie knocks his own uh, net off the thing, automatic goal. Yeah. yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's simple, easy. Yep. Black and white. Yeah, there's no argument there. Yeah. Like, did he really push it off? <laughs> well, <laughs> no one else was around. No one was around. Yeah. And then just as puck out of bounds, when the attacking team is responsible for the puck going out of play in the attacking zone, in all instances, the faceoff will be conducted at one of the two faceoff dots in the attacking zone. Okay. Yeah. And that's pretty much it for right now, anyway, for changes. For right now, yeah, we're not getting any 
standings changes. Mm-hmm. They're going to wait for the CBA. Yeah. They're going to wait for the next CBA uh, negotiations to happen. Um, they can talk about whether they want to change it from divisional matchups in the playoffs and all that stuff. So I think that's going to be a really exciting ho- time mm-hmm. for hockey, even though there's a threat of a lockout, which would be obviously terrible. Yes. The change, the, the potential changes has me very excited because I hate the way things are. I think you agree with me. I think we've had this conversation before that we we prefer one versus eight, two versus seven. Oh, yes, seven. yes, yes. Like when it comes divisional to matchups seating, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I have to watch the Pittsburgh Penguins play the Washington Capitals again in the yeah. second round, I'm going to eat my hat. <laughs> Come on. How many times do you need to see that? Or if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you don't want to run into Boston in the first round. You're tired of that. Exactly. You don't want to see that. Exactly. Uh, We're getting the same matchups over and over again. Um, I know I was doing up a system. I was going to put it on my channel, actually, where in uh, the first round, we would actually see East versus West teams. One versus 16. Yeah. That would be awesome. One versus 16. Then we would see matchups we've never seen mm-hmm. potentially for decades you yeah. know, and obviously the NHL is smaller or matchups we never thought would happen or could only get in the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup final. I understand the want to create rivalries, mm-hmm. but it, it actually makes it boring. I think in a little bit, like I'm as great as Toronto, uh, Boston series is, mm-hmm. don't you just want to see these two teams play? Like, don't you just want to see Toronto play someone else? Yeah. I, I like fresh, fresh matchups is always very exciting. Now imagine a completely different system where it opens up in the playoffs, East and West. And the first round you have Calgary or Edmonton against Montreal. Yeah. In the exactly. first round. Wow. That'd that would be, be spectacular. That would be awesome. Or I'd love to see something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, of course for travel, it would kind of suck, but the way they draw out the playoffs now and time between games, psh, I don't yep. think it would bother anyone. Exactly. Uh, like a Detroit, Colorado. Oh, series. those were great. Heck yeah. Those were great series. Edmonton, Dallas from the 90s. Edmonton, Dallas. Incredible yeah. series. Man, they bang the hell out of each other. It wow. Be, I mean, obviously it's possible for them to play each other. Yeah, they need now, to change but... up the seating. Um, I really don't like this new system, you know, in the top three and the divisions, and then, you know, you've battled it out for the wild cards. Um, I just mm. don't like it. It was intriguing when it was first announced because I thought, okay, well, something new, it's different, but now that we've had it for so long. Did you hear about okay. the this potential discussion um, about having the top six locked in and then the four teams after that battle in a, in a short tournament over like a weekend to get the last two wildcard spots. Weird. I think that would be amazing. I'm So kind of like a series before the series. Exactly, pre-playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Playoffs. It would be very intense. Hmm. Kind of sounds like what I had in mind because, you know, there's always that argument of tanking, you know, where you want to get a high draft. Exactly. Pick. You know, they, they swatched, swatched it, swapped it so that, you know, you could either move up or down, like New Jersey moved up and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, I had suggested a while back, and I did a video about it, where you have the teams that don't make the playoffs, you know, 16 teams make it, 16 don't, once Seattle enters the NHL, and you have those 16 teams play their own playoff within the playoffs to earn draft picks one through 16. That would be, that. I mean. You earn the first overall That's pick. a lot of hockey to watch. But I would love it personally. I mean, come it on, would more be, hockey. It would yeah, be exciting. It would remove tanking. Now imagine players. Oh wait, our season's not over. Now we're in our own playoff to try to win the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. I think some teams, some players, just want the season to be over so they can go to the beach. And <laughs> some probably do, but yeah. it would be interesting, to say the least. If if tanking wasn't a thing, so let's say every team is honest in every game they play, they're trying to win. Nobody's purposely trying to lose. Do you think the current system would be fair 
to award the worst team the first pick. So in a perfect world, nobody games the system. They're playing as hard as they can. Do you think it's fair that the best pick goes to the worst team to try to keep yes. the cycle going? Yes. But we know we don't live in that perfect world. Well, no, the 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 whole percentage draft lottery thing, like, it's not a guarantee. It's like twenty five percent or yeah, whatever it is. It's like eighteen, yeah, something percent, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've countered it quite well. I mean, you see teams move up, move down. Look at the year Buffalo yeah. should have had first overall. Yeah, yeah. it can happen. And so this you year, can New, tank. New Jersey, yeah, like people move, they move around. But I don't know. I just kind of like the idea of playing for your draft pick. Egg is more incentive. Be and, interesting. Yeah say the least yeah probably never happened but no unfortunately but just because more games being played is a pa issue right away they yep. throw that down yes and number two it seems like the gms like the bad teams getting chances at picks yeah because owners would love it though oh yeah more money more money yeah in yeah. their pocket and i mean players don't get players get paid per game mm-hmm. players that go into the playoffs get bonuses based mm-hmm. on if they win the series or something like that would those players and the other tournament get paid beyond the regular season. There'd be a lot of kinks That's to work out. That's a another issue. Oh itself, yeah, so. yeah, because those wouldn't be considered part of their salary exactly. they signed for. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. um, oh, back to the rule changes. They, I heard that they discussed removing offside completely from hockey. Ooh. Like they actually had a vote on it. Wow, 1980s Wayne Gretzky just got goosebumps <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because that guy was never playing defense. He was always up at the other team's blue line, just waiting. Like, come on, guys, circling. Come on, give me the puck. But, man, if they did that, it would drastically alter the game, and people would then start to argue over the rule book. Oh, well, those records were before, you know, offsides were abolished. Yeah. Uh, That is too major of a change. It's too much. It'd be like, you know, bigger nets or bigger ice surface. Yeah. Uh, Then everyone would argue, oh, well, these numbers were achieved before that rule change. It's too big of a change, I think. I agree. Although I did like, of course, eliminating the two-line pass. That oh, like. that was that needed to go. Yeah, that was it sped up the game so much. Uh-huh, I yeah. can't, I can't even imagine the game with that back. Those were dark yeah. years of hockey. <laughs> yeah, they really were. Yeah. New Jersey. Yeah, God <laughs> damn you, New Jersey. Um, that's actually that's all I have written down here is things to discuss. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? I don't know. I'm. I think that's pretty much it. You're just chilling. Yeah, this, one's, chilling. this one's a little shorter than normally, but. What's that? That's what she said. What are we at? Uh, about 47 <laughs> minutes or so. Yeah, like 46, yeah. What do you minutes. normally go? An hour or more? Depends. Sometimes it's Because like, I've seen some. Somewhere around like hour. 50, somewhere like an hour and 15 minutes, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't really don't keep track. We just kind of go until we go and just kind of talk about nonsense, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay. Something I'm, I want to bring up just because yep. it fires me up. I'm going to get fired up. Let's talk about Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner. Hello. Is he staying or going? Well... This is the biggest talking point right now, and it really is coming more and more clear that Mitch Marner is not interested in going as long-term as people would hope. Why? Why is that? That's my big question. Why? I don't understand why he wouldn't want to go long-term with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think it's because the new TV TV deal comes out. The Rogers one? No, in the States. The NBC deal is coming up, which is going to be renewed, and there's rumors that ESPN is going in on it. So that's going to be bumping the salary up significantly, or the salary cap. He knows that he has, and he wants he money. wants basically the five or the four, and then he wants to re-sign while he's still a very good player for that much more money. Being strategic, mm. very strategic, but man, Toronto's got so little cap to potentially give him what he wants. Personally, I think Toronto 
put themselves in a bad situation when they went out and landed John Tavares. That completely changed everything. Mm-hmm. You go out and get him at $11 million, and apparently he still took a discount, which is insanity to yeah, me. John Tavares is an incredible player. He's one of the best centers in the league, but $11 million, that altered everything. When they had their homegrown talent for years, you know, with Nylander, with Matthews, Marner, and now suddenly you throw a rock like into the spokes of the wheel and everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Um, you know, they had the Nylander situation last year. This year it's like repeat, but Marner instead of Nylander. Um, word is he wants Matthews money. So if, okay, if you're Toronto and I'm mm-hmm. Marner, I want four years. Mm-hmm. Do you sign me? Yeah, or I definitely you- would. I, I'm throwing this out here. I'll probably get hate for it right now. I would take Mitch Marner over Austin Matthews any day. I would too. Ooh. I agree. Okay, well, that went well. I mean, I, got, I, have <laughs> Matthew, I, I have a Matthews jersey hanging back there, but I'd still take Mitch Marner. That's no knock on Matthews, but I look at overall health, ability to play a full 82-game schedule. But a lot of people argue too, well, Mitch Marner's only doing what he's doing because he's playing with Tavares and so on. He's got great company to play with. I he get does. it. But Mitch Marner is... <sighs> One of the best wingers in the NHL today, what I see out of him, that compete level, the ability to create. Yep. Uh, I think the kid could even shuffle the center and have insane success. I agree completely. He's that good. Yep. I love Mitch Marner. I would keep him. And I'm going to throw it out there. If I had to push come to shove, even though Kyle Dubas said he would never do it, I would trade William Nylander. I think he should trade William Nylander, mm. just strictly from the cap perspective. But... You don't think Toronto would play a little hardball with Marner and be like, you only want to sign for four years? Then Well, he came out. You. Remember, he came out and said, uh, Kyle Dubas said, like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. This is my number one priority is get him mm. signed and get it done. Yeah. And it's it's the other side that's saying, no, no, no. You were like that with Nylander. You were like that with Matthews. I'm getting what I'm due. Like, yeah. I've led the, the points for the last two years. Exactly. I'm, I'm, He's the man. Yeah, like... Yeah. And That's, rightfully so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't give Nylander what he wants and Matthews what he wants and not give... That's where Dubas messed up a little bit. The Nylander situation, he caved. He kept going higher and higher and higher, and then Nylander finally said, okay, yeah, I'll sign. And then he comes back, and then he had kind of an abysmal year. He didn't have a proper training camp and everything. It was a very hard adjustment for him. It was was bad. And Nylander got a lot of hate for it. Some of it I understand to a degree, but there's limits to everything. But when you give Austin Matthews that kind of money, uh, why can't Marner say I want equal to that? Mm -hmm. When, to me... He's basically equal to an Austin I Matthews. Uh, they're in a bad spot. They really are. And now with Tavares in the mix. Phew, wow. I, got, I got a question for you. Yeah. Unrelated to the Toronto Maple Leafs, mm. Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers. If you're Connor McDavid, do you request a trade? I 100% would if there's absolutely no positive signs in two more years. But Connor McDavid being the type of guy he is, I don't think he would ever do it, to be honest. Because his love for the game, respect level, Mm -hmm. you know, that would kind of fall outside of his values. These are his prime years, though. They are. And they're being wasted to a degree. I mean, when you got a guy that can, you know, win the scoring race just like that, back to back, and, you know, (laughs) like last year, barely sniffing the playoffs, that is sad. When you got the best player in the world, Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. What if Connor McDavid says, I want to go to Toronto Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah, they can't afford him. Like, what? When you, what do you do when you have a player mm. 
that only wants to play for one team, but he can't play for that team. I almost hope it's, he does because the Edmonton Oilers have been an absolute laughing stock for a very long time. It's really unfortunate for Edmonton Oilers fans. Yeah, you go you go a decade, you don't make the playoffs, then you make the playoffs one year, and then it all falls apart again. Yeah, it completely falls apart. You, know, you get all these first round draft picks, and then you know now one's winning the heart with yeah. the New Jersey Devils. I mean, come on, man, you can't get any worse. I'm hoping Holland though actually has full control. Yeah, if he has full control, things could start to turn around. But again. It's going to be years away. It's going to be years. Absolutely. I have another question for you. Whose fans do you feel worse for? Edmonton Oilers fans, Ottawa Senators fans, or Buffalo Sabres fans? Oh, yeah. That, that's a tough one. I'm going to say Ottawa. Yeah, though. me too. Ottawa. Yeah. I was going to say Ottawa. It all comes if you, down to If you've got a bad owner, there's no way out of that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely Eugene Melna. What a useless waste of skin he is. Jeez. Uh, he, oh. Ouch. <laughs> okay, since we're ranting, I'm going to rant. Heck yeah. Okay. Yeah, rant. So... You get people on the TV like like Brian Burke, who when Matthews was signed, they he was like, I wouldn't have given five. That's too short. Five's too short. He should have been signed up long term. Should have gave him the full. But then you have the GMs in the meetings talking about the CBA, talking about trying to restrict the maximum terms to five years. So if right now you can sign a guy for eight years, mm-hmm. but in theory on paper they want to reduce it to five years. Why are they mad when a five-year contract is signed? Why are they still pushing for that max when in in what they believe on paper, like written into the rules, they want a maximum five-year term? I think it should be five years. I don't think it should be eight. But see, that's fine with me. But why, why, why do you get mad when, if say you're asking for five years, mm-hmm. like in paper, like I don't want there to be six, seven, eight-year terms. I want there to just be five. And the PA is like, nope, we're fighting you on that, and they end up winning. And then Matthew signs to a five-year term, and then all the GM types are all, oh, you can't give him five years. you got to go max. you got to lock him up. Oh, I agree. It is It's silly. just, like, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me either, honestly. I think some of it can come down, though, to players just losing their way over so many years. Corey Perry's the perfect example. You mm-hmm. know, He's no longer the player he was, and that cap hit's insane. You know, five years can be a lot safer than seven, or if you're, you know, you're signing up with the team you were on, well, eight years. Uh Big difference there. Like three years. years is a long time. That's it is. basically a decade. Mm. What do you guys think about young players getting paid before they do anything now? I'm not mm. a fan of that whatsoever. You know, I remember when Subban signed that bridge deal before yeah, his big contract. Yep. I 100 percent agreed with that. Yeah. You know, even though he showcased himself as becoming one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Prove it outside your entry level. You know, do this two-year deal, yeah. bridge deal, and then after that's the big one. I agree. I honestly f- have said for a long time that Edmonton started paying guys at a off entry level too soon. Yeah. A lot of these guys got paid before they really achieved. You could say it went to their head or not, but it that changes a player. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. I and agree. then you look in Toronto and these guys, well, I mean, come on. An Austin Matthews only comes around every so long or Mitch Marner. I get it. Yeah. But man, those are big contracts coming off entry level. Whew. Insane. Where some guys play, you know, four years after an entry level contract to get a deal like that. Yeah. Uh, there are some exceptions like mm. Crosby, well, yeah. David. Or an Ovechkin. Yeah. Would you rather have a player in your team get paid right away not do anything for the first first five years and then eventually win a cup or not get paid a lot, win a cup, and then pay him for what he has done in the past. It all comes down to the player. Because that happened in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like Jonathan Taves and right. Patrick Kane kind of yeah, got paid they after got, they did. Yeah, they got rewarded yeah. basically. They say, here's your reward for bringing us Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. And now they're not in their prime. 
but they're still getting paid. Patrick Kane's still a hell of a player, though. He is. And I think I read that most of the teams that have recently paid their players, they haven't actually made it that far. Mm. Like the teams that are going mm. far are the teams that don't have the nine, ten, eleven million dollar contracts yeah. on their roster. Look at the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. Look, what they, look what they just did. Well, in Boston too. I think what 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 was it? The final four, or the final two. There wasn't a player with an eight million or higher contract. Mm, that on sounds the team. right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes sense. You're there's more depth to be paid, right? Like yeah, yeah absolutely. It's it like in certain sports mm-hmm. like basketball, su- superstars can make a huge yes. difference. Like oh. so, I understand that. Sometimes it works, but it doesn't work in hockey. There's too many variables, I think, in mm-hmm. hockey. Uh, it's there's line changes. Like LeBron James isn't on the ice for 45 seconds and then right. goes to the bench, mm-hmm. like yeah. or on the court for 45 seconds. Like it's different. There's more. Mm-hmm. There's layers of hockey, not like there's in basketball. So how would you guys say we got to this point? Would you say it's GMs that were, I don't know, nervous for their jobs and they were jumping the gun, or like? Because it didn't used to be like this is a recent thing mm-hmm. for like you know past few years. I think back in the not really back in the day, but the GMs held all the power, and now I think the players hold a one hundred percent of the power. But the question is, how did the players get to that point? Like, how did a player get to the point where you deserve to pay me, or I'm going to wait to see media? You think so? Yeah, hmm. I think it's all the media that's blowing it up and talking about it and putting like shining the light on the GM. Hmm. What like is there has always been media around the NHL and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's 24-7 now. Like, Do you think there's also kind of a shift where more players are coming in thinking about the payday opposed to being a champion, being a winner? Yep, I agree. Do you, here, Here's an interesting question. Do you think some of the players in Toronto, like a Nylander, like a Matthews, like a Marner, are trying to take advantage of that market to cash in as much as possible? Mm-hmm. Opposed to thinking long-term. Best contract in the NHL is David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins. 6.66 million. That's a good yeah. This is a 90-point guy. 6.66 million. Mm-hmm. Look what Nylander's making. Look what Matthews is making. I would put Pasternak equal to these guys, if not better than Nylander for I sure. Agree. He's making 6.66. That is a player that's committed to the franchise, committed to build a winner. He yeah. definitely took less. He could have got way more than that. Crosby took less way back yeah, in the day, 8. too. 8.7, but he's the most superstitious yeah, superstitious. Guy. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, change your hat. The sweat stains. Come on. <laughs> but no, oh, if I get rid of the hat, I'm not going to win. Come on, man. Um, anyway, that's for another day. Tyler but Sagan yeah. had a pretty good contract for a while, too. Yeah. Now that he doesn't anymore, kind of. There's examples of guys taking less, buying into their franchise mm-hmm. because they want to win. Pasternak is the prime example. I but there's a lot of players not doing that and not willing to do it. TJ Oshie did that a couple of years ago mm-hmm. with Washington. I thought his contract was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. They won a Stanley Cup. So Yeah. Look yeah. at John Carlson now, $8 million man. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of interesting contracts when you compare them with other contracts for players at the same position, whether, you know, it's lefty, righty, whatnot. Um, you can easily pick out the guys that are taking less, staying committed to the franchise, going the course, trying to win. I have so much respect for those people. What's the worst contract in the in the in the NHL? Well, as Don Cherry would say, Lusick. Lusick, yeah, yeah Lusick. That's the first name that came no, to my mind. Definitely, um, Louis Erickson's up there too. Oh yeah, you know, six million for Erickson. Oof, that's absolutely bad. But I mean, come on, Lucic had six goals. That's a million apiece. Yeah, that's tough. Good grief, Bacchus too. Yeah. How do you feel about Lucic leaving your team? I, at the time, I didn't like it. But, he was an elite player yeah, he, at that time. And yeah. he was he was grit and the fan favorite. Yeah. And the teammates loved him. And 
when the other team was on the ice, they kind of knew he was there, and they kept the mm. shenanigans down. And... Yeah, Luchich factor. Mm-hmm. He but, played a role yeah. mentally. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not on the level that. Not that he was ever really high up there anyway. Like he was, he was a decent player, but mm-hmm. he, he's not. When Peter Shirley signed him in Edmonton, he that was not. No, a good it was all about McDavid trying to protect McDavid and have yeah. something to play with, and it never worked out. But Lucic, the game has passed him by. Yeah. The speed of the game today, Lucic can't keep up with that. You can't. You can't. Put, That's why those types of players are just a dying thing. You yeah. don't see them anymore. Like you know, the guys that are there, they're just to enforce and police. Uh, just doesn't exist. Who do you think the slowest player ever was? Ever, ever. I think I think Jason Allison. Jason. <laughs> I was gonna say Hal Gill. Hal Gill. Hey, he won a Stanley Cup. Man, Hal Gill. The Penguins. The classic lay on the ice and hold oh your stick out. Oh my god! When they first brought in Hal Gill, I lost my mind. But then seeing how far he could reach, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, they're onto something. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, I found a new respect for him. Yeah. But yeah, he he was definitely slow. Um, anything else to discuss, boys? Uh, no, I'm no, okay. I think it's good. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me in your house. And good allowing, little reunion. Yeah, allowing yeah, this us to use post post studio B. Thank you guys at home watching. I really appreciate that. Uh, you can check out Justin on his channel at uh, Hands Down Hockey on YouTube. I think he's also on Twitter. Yep, at Justin the Man eighty seven. Heck yeah! And yeah, don't worry about me. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Jason does a lot of stuff on our Discord. Shout out to our Discord people. Shout out to Discord. Heck yeah! Join our Discord. Link in the description. Um, so thanks guys for watching I really appreciate it uh, regardless if you're watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes or Google Play Music that's awesome hope you're having a good day hope you enjoyed all the recent hockey news and I'm sure there's going to be lots more to discuss because we're coming up on free agency day in seven days I think seven days seven so days. the date is the day yeah I don't remember <laughs> uh, seven days yeah seven days alright uh, thanks for watching I appreciate it and we'll see you in the next podcast adios